Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. We've got blast off. Tee it up and get ready. We are here. We are Bleacher Blums, and this is a special edition. As you know, I love the game of golf. I have taken to the game of golf, and this is going to be a golf podcast. I know that we're in the bleachers, and there's no bleachers at any of these PGA events, even though you see the guys tipping their caps and waving to the gallery after a couple of golf claps. These guys are missing out, but uh, uh, golf has been a very good COVID game for a lot of us uh, to play, and it's also been a great uh, for us to watch as we you know, try and grind through some of these COVID times now that we finally got baseball back. But the reason we're talking PGA is uh, because it's a majors week. And I've got a very good friend on our screen named John Adams, who is from my town back in San Clemente, the tip of the cap to the young man. Uh, what people need to know about John Adams and why we have him on our PGA podcast is because he's very good friends of David Tuttle and I. I met John back when I was still playing, and he actually threw me batting practice every offseason while I was still playing. So I owe a great deal to John Adams and uh, that right arm of his getting me ready for every season. And he's also a scratch golfer. He is the San Clemente, you know, what, city champ. How many years in a row? 12, 13, 14? Uh, Won the uh, club seven and the city three. There you go. Yeah. So, and he also went to the avenues, avenues of the Americas University somewhere in California. Sure, that sounds great. Oh. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it is so what it is. It. Yeah, yeah. But you, but John also played competitively too. You're a very good golfer. I said scratch golfer, but name some of the tournaments that you played on. So I played uh, uh, after. Yeah, I won a couple times in college, and then I played on this uh, Canadian tour for a year, a South American tour for a couple years. Um, and then decided that I didn't want to live the lifestyle. So I just went out and got the real job, but I've caddied on uh, the tour. I've caddied on the LPGA tour, um, did that for a little stint here and there. And, um, so I still got my, uh, my, uh, feet still in, involved in a lot of golf and, and still have friendships all over, uh, the tours and, and still chat, um, with those, those guys. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, now I'm now I'm uh, Johnny Johnny uh, Muni guy and uh, teed up every Sunday at eight o'clock at the Pride of the Pacific. That's awesome. a be- beautiful Golf is in you your blood, get... John. Yes, That's what you're true. saying. That's all yeah. I hear from yeah. you. Golf is in your blood, man. <laughs> no, and, and it is. And and to that point, and I want you know I'm going to bring Tuttle in on this. Obviously, the co-host here on Bleacher Blums. You can catch us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the major audio podcast platforms, and we're also on the Social Nostra Network on. YouTube. So you can check out the video podcast of this. Uh, Johnny did his hair, put on the hat just like Tuttle did. So I appreciate that boys dressing up. (laughs) But one of the things about John is that we've been able to play a ton of golf with John and it's always fantastic. But I seriously, I think my putting rate and I don't know what, what the stat is for it, but I know for a fact that if I actually make it to the green, maybe two or three shots after John's already been on the green, is it no matter where I'm from, John can literally tell me, he can point to a blade of grass or a dead spot and he'll say, hit it here at half speed, full speed, more than full speed. And if I hit that spot, I make the putt every single time. <laughs> Tuttle can attest to this too, because we played in some scrambles with him. 
I've had that same experience. I think that's my one John Adams story that I, I go to all the time is like, I mean, obviously that's what caddies are supposed to do, but you know, you're a good friend and, and an enjoyable uh, compatriot out there on the golf course. But man, my putting improves so much when yeah. you're, when you're, uh, when we're in the foursome together and that'll, that, you know, be a good lead into this, uh, to this podcast, this golf special, because uh, you can maybe give away some of your tips and tricks to our listeners. As well. <laughs> okay. All right. Love yeah, to. I think he will. And the PGA Championship is coming up. And Brooks Kepka has dominated this one for the last couple of years. We'll get a little more in depth into some of the history of it. But the interesting thing about this PGA Championship for me is, is that it's being held in San Francisco at Harding Park, which is a TPC course. And some behind the scenes knowledge is that myself, Todd Callis, uh, Steve Sparks, and a couple of guys in our TV truck, we love to play golf on the road. And San Francisco is the one spot that we have nailed down. We have a contact within that clubhouse that gets us the earliest tee time possible. And every time we go through San Francisco, we play Harding Park. We absolutely love this place. And it was kind of fun once we found out that the PGA was moving to Harding Park this year and watching the transformation of the course. And I'm going to have John talk to that a little bit because, you know, in Northern California, you got to bring in the elements. But Harding Park is interesting in the sense that it's a little more narrow. They had some decently wide fairways. But the, it seemed like two or three times a year that we would go through there and play, you could see them growing out the rough. And eventually that fairway that was so generous to us crept in. It felt like maybe half the size. And all of a sudden you could see we were, some of our shots that weren't incredibly errant were in that first cut of rough. And then it made that hole that much longer because the grass really grabs it. It's always moist out there. But it never felt like it was really playing all that long for us from where we were playing. We played about 6,800 yards. But some of the notes you took, John, make this course a little frightening to me. And I was, a little, I was to be honest, I was really concerned because everybody hits the ball so damn long now on the PGA, man. Yeah, so uh, what they did is I think this is the first time, you know, when you look at all the four majors, right, uh, usually the, the PGA championship is cute, kind of quoted as kind of the easier one uh, when it comes to playability. Um, so that's why you usually see a majority of the scores being way lower than you do at a U.S. Open that you do possibly at the Masters because, uh, you know, it's just the way the PGA of America likes to set up the golf course. This year is going to be quite different, actually. Um, when you look at the scorecard online, you're going to see it's only about the mid-7200s, which to these guys is a short golf course, right? Yeah. So what, what, what happens uh, to make it tougher, right? A couple of things is they've shrunk – the fairways by 60%. So it's, it's really going to have a 60? kind of a 60 per, Yeah. It's a really, ah. yeah, they've, they've, they've narrowed it way down. So the, what they're going to do is they're going to, um, and the rough is way up. So the golf course, you know, these guys can plan down the road. This was supposed to be a May golf tournament, right? So the May golf tournament would probably have softer greens, softer mm -hmm. fairways. Now that it's a uh, August golf tournament and you know, the elements of the golf course, are going to be changing because of the weather you're going to have with wind you'll have you know faster fairways and you're going to have harder greens so by talking to some of the the loopers up there caddies i should say there's they're saying that it's That's okay got we more can take time to play glossary we yeah. you know yeah. tell the fans yeah. at home loopers are the guys who carry the bags yeah, yeah. yeah. so so the caddies <laughs> up there are saying that it's got more of a feel of a u.s open than it does an actual pga so the, the rough is going to be that thick they're going to it's going to be like, first cut or yeah. is it yeah a lot of the guys are saying it's a 50 50 crapshoot that when you get your ball in the rough you're going to be able to get it on the green based on quote the yardage right 
So um, what I heard this morning from, yeah, yeah. So what I heard from <laughs> one of the guys this morning is that if you're playing in the morning, right, with the coldness of the temperature, which I think the low, I think I put the weather on here, the lows are 54s and the highs are like 68s, 65s to 68s, um, that par fours are going to play 20 to 30 yards further from what the scorecard's saying. And the par fives and the par threes are going to play 10 to 15 yards further for the morning rounds. So um, that's a huge difference. The other thing I, I think I mentioned you guys, or I put on the notes here is that these guys, a majority of these guys are coming from different climates, right? So um, in St. Jude, a guy that was hitting a five iron, 212 to 205, is lucky to hit that five iron like 185 at, in these elements. So, so now this golf course in the morning goes from like 7,200 and a half to maybe 7,500 um, yardage wise. So, um, so yeah, so, so now Isn't that one of the bigger misconceptions is like, because they've been playing a lot in Ohio and like the Midwest and the East coast. So in Memphis last week, it was hot, hot and humid and as hell, but the ball, ball compresses, ball compresses and the ball goes. Then the other guys that are coming from the Barracuda, Barracuda, that is actually up in Tahoe. Oh, now you're dealing with elevation, right? right? So, so uh, that 180 shot was playing 205. So now they, so what happens now is you've got to be able to go get your yardages this week and actually believe in them because you're coming from like, hey, I hit this five iron like 205 last week. And you're like, and the caddy's going, yeah, you got 185, hit it now. And you're like, 185, like that's too much. So you're going to have to mentally prepare to, to trust your, your caddy and, 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 your, and your yardage. How many times would it take a – so the caddy obviously has a better handle on things because he's not hitting the ball. It's, you know, it's, the, right. it's the player that actually has the ego and the idea of where he wants his club to go. How many times would it take a guy to hit that club to be convinced that his caddy's right? Well, that's, that's where – well, that's, that's, why, that's why there's practice rounds, right? So you hopefully get there enough to where you play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday – and be able to experience this and then, and then commit to it. So registers. Yeah. Right. So where the caddy's going to, where the caddy's going to make his money is now going off of the elements. Hey, this wins in and off the left. We're going to have to add five more yards to that. Or, you know, this is, it's dewy. It's not balls, not carrying. It's a heavy air. Those kind of things is where the caddy's going to have to bring in those elements. Yardage is yardage, right? So hmm. they're getting, they're going to know that they're hitting their five iron 185 or their six iron 185 in these elements. Now you're going to have to add the other to where they're going to say, they're going to talk them out of a six to a five or five to a four, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, feel, I feel like my, my ball, uh, my golf game's getting better just listening to this alone, <laughs> like just mentally. But we talk on this podcast a ton about the mental makeup of an athlete and like what you need to be uh, strong in any sort of competition. It's usually the intestinal fortitude, whether it's coming back from an injury, like a guy had an arm injury, he's not, you know, and I think you just touched on a huge sub, uh, point which even at the highest level, these golfers, you know, they need to have trust and they need to have confidence. And I think just personally, when I get out there, the best thing I can do is say, all right, I know I hit this club, this yardage, right? So my eight iron is 155 or whatever. I can just take a full swing and I know it'll go 155. And that's, you know, obviously disregarding the elements. And I think with what you said is, is a huge, a huge factor in who's going to be successful and who's not. And we'll see obviously who trusts their caddy and who doesn't and who's able to get into the, uh, 
who's able to get into um, like San Francisco Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I know today's Wednesday when we're recording. So who's been there this week and what have they experienced? Because um, I think, you know, at, at any high level, that mentality is what's going to make or break um, the success. And, and tell me who you think, I know I'm looking at some of the notes, but who do you think has a strong relationship with their looper, their caddy? And then who, um, who is able to kind of deal with these elements in, maybe more so than some of the others? Well, I think, I think they're all, you know, all these players are, they're not on the tour because they don't have to deal with elements. So, you know, they all know how to deal with elements, right? So there are a couple unique things that are happening this week where, um, you know, Webb Simpson, who won right down the street in, in the 2012 U.S. Open at, at Olympic, he doesn't have his caddy. Uh, he's not feeling very well. So he's got, a, he's got a fresh guy in the bag. Tony Finau, I haven't checked that out, but I mean, he's been, he, he canned his guy a couple of three weeks ago. He's had his teacher on this bag. So I don't know if he's got a new guy on that bag. So, you know, when it comes down to it and then, and then JT, what JT, the Justin Thomas one with bones on the bag last week, which was a, you know, huge thing, but JT had had him on the bag before in Hawaii one point at one point. And then, you know, he knows bones from the Ryder cups and all this kind of stuff. So it is a relationship with it. Um, so he's, he's going to stay on the bag until JJ's ready to come back. But, um, you know, those guys just won together, so they understand it. But, again, like JT said, he's like, look, it, if I know I'm going to hit 6-iron-180, you're going to have to give me some huge information for me to just go to a 7-iron or a 5-iron, right? So when it comes down to it, you know, these guys are now, I'm noticing, they're both got their books. They're both coming up with a number and they're both coming up with a solution of why to hit that iron. And then from that point, it's in the player's eyes, right? Until, you know, you'll notice sometimes where some gusts will win will come over or the caddy will actually see something that he doesn't like and he'll back his guy off. Right. And then he'll have to say, Hey, um, are you feeling this? Cause I just felt that. And wow. Hey, look at, do we want to stay here or do we want to go to another club because of what we just felt or what we just saw? So, you know, sometimes but that's a rare occasion, but sometimes the better caddies do that. And then that's when the player has to trust what he felt to make sure that he's going to be 100% over that golf shot. So Man. it's, uh, you know, that's, that's where these caddies are, have these longevities with these players because of the trust. Guy like Bubba Watson doesn't carry a book. Caddy does all the work. And he goes, it's oh, six damn. iron. Bubba says, okay, it's six iron. And he hits it, you know. Oh so, my God. Yeah. He's just trying to figure yeah. out if it's going to be a or, punch cut fade or a smash. Right. So he feels all <laughs> stuff, you know, he'll say, Hey, it's playing 190. What do you feel like? And then he'll just kind of do his thing. Right. Yeah. So that's probably, he, that's probably actually been one of the cooler things about watching the PGA tour is knowing that their fans aren't out there and you don't have that hush of the crowd wandering around. You can actually hear a lot of the conversations that are going on. And that's been kind of the fascinating part part about this but the other thing about Harding Park too is the tree lines that are down these fairways and just off the rough uh, it's going to be one thing to get out of the rough but those trees are going to come into play because I was looking at your notes and we talked about the ability of these guys to bomb and Brooks Kepka is one of those guys DeChambeau and a handful of other guys but when you were you were talking about some of these hard dog legs that they do have and they actually have the opportunity you know, maybe mentally to cut the corner, but some of these cypress trees are pretty damn tall, man. Do they have enough to get over the top of them? So it's a great point, Blummer. So the big thing that I've heard up there is that it's, you know, once you get on the 10th hole all the way to pretty much 16, um, it's a, it's a drawers golf course. It's right to left, right to left. Well, uh -huh. a guy like a guy like Brooks, um, some of these guys like to hit it left to right. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
So that is an issue where you now have to possibly take on a cypress tree instead of hitting it around a cypress tree, right? Yep. So it's, and, and what I've heard is like, hey, look at it's not a pull fade golf course. So if you're going to take that left line and you're going to want to cut it over these trees, you got to make sure that you're going to be able to carry them because you know, Blummer, those yeah. things are catcher's mitts, right? Those balls don't come out yeah, of those I trees. Mean, they, yeah. What do you mean yeah, by they're that? Put, they're put together. Knocked down, eaten if it ever shows up again. Right, exactly. So there could be a lot of provisional balls being hit because they're like, <laughs> I didn't see it land, right? So yeah. um, when you're talking about it, those are gorgeous trees, but they're really put together. So when a ball hits, it's, it's more or less lucky to get out of there, right? Yep. So now you got guys that are hitting balls right to left that are wanting to take on a ball left and then cut it over and hit it soft because and so now that i'm thinking about it right so that really goes into a dechambeau and a rory mcelroy type of uh um strength because they hit balls far and draw it right yep. they hit it from right to left so um it's you know and i threw some statistics down on some of these players but um i i think those guys might have an advantage there because you know they're going to hit it so far that, you know, when this 50-50 comes down that they don't know if they're going to be able to the green, they're going to be 50-50 with nine iron wedge sand wedge and not 50-50 with a, you know, a guy like Long iron. Matt, Matthew Fitztraffic, that, uh, Fitzpatrick is trying to take muscle a seven iron out of there, right? And that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're, you're adding so much to this, but uh, we've had this conversation on the podcast before, even though we're baseball heavy about the distance that people are hitting the ball now and how that changes everything. And you brought another um, – variable in there which is right to left versus left to right a fader or draw guy but i think that's a huge part of the game and not just specific to this weekend or the pga championship can you speak to the distance and the length i remember reading an article maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago on d about how he had an awkward swing and he was doing the scientific this and he wasn't a long hitter as as he or wasn't as long of a hitter as he is now he was very technical and he had his own kind of scientific way about going about this but um, maybe he figured out that length makes this stuff easier. I, I do know personally when you hit a long one and you have a little pitching wedge in, you know, I still can't putt, but it makes life easier than trying to hit a seven or a six or a five, you know, to be as accurate with those. So can you speak to what kind of changes you've seen, whether it be the equipment, the golf ball and the type of golfer and the style they're going and what that length means for the future of golf and then how that would translate into this weekend specifically, because as you mentioned, it's not humidity that keeps the distance down, but it could be this cold weather and some of the uh, challenges with the trees. Well, first of all, technology is technology, right? It's that they're mm -hmm. always going to come up with a better driver and a better face and a better shaft. But the, the biggest the issue, and Nicholas has been trying to get this taken care of for the last 45 years, and all the USGA and the, and the um, European PGA, or what, uh, what is it, the uh, European side of things, is, is all they keep saying is, is we're still working on it and we're still doing our research. And Nicholas comes back and goes, I've been asking about this for 45 years that the golf ball is absolutely outrageous. These guys are hitting the golf ball so I've far. I read this article that you're talking about, it's, John. It's, it's, yeah, it's the yeah. ball. Yeah, It's the ball, right? Your, your shafts are your shafts and your faces and everything's going to be USGA conform, but the golf ball needs to be dialed back or at least these guys need to play a golf ball that's been dialed back, right? Because – it's it's crazy now they, they need restrictor go, plates like they do in nascar man. i mean i mean if you if you go back to these guys like trevino back in the day and these guys that were playing you know they'll they'll laugh at it because yeah, they'll laugh at it because um they have trouble 
uh, hitting this ball. You know, these guys used to hit balls left to right and right to left and really, really worked golf them. shots. Yeah, and, they shaped and, it. And, and yeah. it's hard to do that with these golf balls. They, they laugh at it. They're like, this ball goes dead straight. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, and it's, you know, it knows, it's got all the spin issues and, you know, no spin, this spin. That's they good, that's good golf for ball. guys like us, but the pros, I mean, they abuse the fact that it doesn't spin. Right. It's like you and I grabbing a dart and throwing a dart at the dartboard. I mean, it's yeah. just like, oh, yep, yeah, I'm four feet, right? You know, so it's, it's – so getting back to what, what Dave was saying is, is that, you know, these guys have figured out that if I hit it over 300 yards on a consistent basis, I'm going to have eight iron down more or less, right? And, and what's going to happen is that's the strength of their games, right? So a guy like DeChambeau went back and figured it out. I don't care about driving accuracy. I care about driving length because if I go ahead and add 20 to 40 yards onto my tee shots, I'm going to be hitting wedge where I was hitting an eight iron. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys looked at these stats. I was actually kind of blown away with it where he's, he's leading a scoring average and driving distance at, and his average, his average is 324, right? Crazy. Um, his mistakes are going 324. <laughs> And right, right. But here's the deal. His, he, he's 13th in greens and regulation. Why? Because he's next to the green all the time. Right. So chip. he's just pitching it on the green. Right. Exactly. Um, so. Well, he, to, pi you know, to piggyback on that, would you say that we should standardize then? I mean, like there are a lot of people that say, oh, steroids in baseball, they were good for baseball. Like let everybody take steroids. I mean, I think Blummer brought up the, a Blummer brought up a really good point about us. Like, that, that golf ball is great for me because I don't want any spin. I want it to knuckle and I want it to carry and I want the flight to be, you know, I'm only hitting the ball 250. So if I can get it to 280, yeah, that's great. Or, you know, whatever, if I can get a little extra distance, then that's great for the average golfer. But is the solution, as you said, Nicholas has already been kind of hemming and hawing about this for years. Is the solution to just standardize the golf ball or is it to, you know, I mean, Otherwise, they're going to have to start rebuilding golf courses is what we're finding with, you know. Well, yeah, well, right? but, but, he, but here's a perfect example, right? I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. Bring the fairways in, grow the rough, right? And, and so we'll see how it goes, you know. This is but be again, a as a that. fan, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to yeah. ask you guys as a fan, do you want to watch guys make bogey or do you guys want to watch guys make birdies and eagles? I mean, yeah. so it, it is a, you know, it's like going to a baseball game. Do you, do you want to watch guys hit home runs? So true, or do you, man. Or do you want to watch a game yeah. that's one nothing and you're, you're kind of saying, you know, God, this is boring, right? So I like they're, one they're, nothing. Come on. Right. I like one nothing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just trying to say, Sorry. you know, there, there's two sides to yeah, the yeah. story. You know what I mean? So. That's why I'm saying that's why I really like the U.S. Open because it really challenges the guy mentally, Me physically, right, and, and really shows that I think the best player won that week, right, yep. because he hit the best. So this, that's why I like that this PGA or the PGA of America decided to make this a little mm -hmm. bit harder um, because they don't have an open championship this year. So, they're in, you, know, you know, for the next seven weeks, these guys are grinding, right? So it's, it's – you know, they have the, the PGA Championship. They also have the U.S. Open. They also have the Tour Championship. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on, um, you know, in the next, like, six, seven weeks. So, um, but again, yeah. getting, getting, back, getting back to, like, the way that these guys are thinking and, and the way that I kind of look at this golf course happening this week is I think it's going to be somebody that carries it a long, long way um, that is going to be the person that's probably going to win down the so, road because – 
they're going to be able to hit these nine irons on the greens where these other little guys, yeah. unless they just, you get a guy that just hits a ton of fairways like Xander, like a Fitzpatrick or somebody like that, it hits a lot of fairways and be able to just to kind of beat them with, you know, their game inside 160 yards. So no, no Kevin Kisner this week. Um, you're going to say uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, JT has a shot, uh, DeChambeau, Kepka, those, the, the long, the, well, see, the yeah, long the, hitters. Kepka's got a couple things, right? First of, first of all, the guy is coming in on a high, right? He's, he's figured out his putting. If he drives the ball, it's going to be, but he's a left or right hitter, right? Mm. He's a left or right hitter. So that kind of threw a little, uh, I don't know. A but, downgrade for him. But, but he, he's the first one to say, if I drive the ball here well, I'm going to play well. Because he's got his other part of his game, I think, figured out. Um, and for some apparent reason, when he steps on the grounds of a, a, a championship, uh, it's, it's, he's, it's another, another level. He's convinced he, that he, he only has to amazing. He, he's convinced I mean, he only has to beat 15 guys. Did you see the, his stats? You see dude, the numbers you put him? on him, it's 70 under par in all majors. In the last three years. That dude, is, he just Since gets dialed in, huh? Yeah, and then, and then did you see um, the next guy to him is Ricky Fowler at like 39? 35. Yeah, he's 35, twice as yeah. good. Yeah, um, but it's not as good as what Tiger did. Do you see that? <laughs> is anything ever as good as what Tiger did? <laughs> I mean, that's Tiger, another question. Is he going to have? Is he going to have the accuracy to compete in this thing? Is Tiger Woods? Tiger, I think is going to. Well, first of all, I don't like the way he's prepped for it. Right? He's only played one tournament. Right? Thank he came you for in saying 40th. that. You ha- you don't you know? hear that from anybody on PGA or any of the riders. They protect. I mean, this might be pulling off a scab. I don't know, but they protect the hell out of that guy. And I'm well, with of you. Course I was wondering because, if he's prepping appropriately for this. I mean, thing. every 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 tour player should go kiss his feet for the amount of money they play for, right, on a regular True. basis, right? So yeah, good point. And and he's he's a draw. He could be, you know, you know. I, I'll be he's honest. Can have you, a I walker or a cane, and you know, right, yeah, right. And they said up. yesterday. They said yesterday he's playing with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. And I I heard on the on the broadcast yesterday. You will see every single shot. Yep. I mean, you will see every single shot he hits, right? Because that's the draw, right? I, I would I, say he'd have a huge gallery following him, but, you know, I guess that's and he, not And he happen. would. Being from Stanford, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He would, right? He's got that But, I mean, he's the, from 2000 to 2002, he's 92 under par in the majors, <laughs> and the next guy to him is Mickelson at 29 under par. I mean, <laughs> that's insane. I mean, that. I mean, you thought Kepka had Dominant. good numbers. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? Because <laughs> that's what you – he beat the field by like 20 at the open or something like that at Pebble beach one year. So, um, but you know, I think woods getting back to tiger is, is I don't like the cold weather with his, with his situation. Right. I don't like the prep of only playing, you know, uh, uh, one round, uh, and come in 40th, the golf course played really hard on Saturday and Sunday, but he was the first one to tell Jack, I love the setup, right. He loved the Mm -hmm. setup. And I just wonder, coming from 95 degrees in Florida and Bermuda greens that are grainy and coming over and playing in cold, foggy weather with bent greens, and even though he got here on Sunday and he's played tons of golf there, he's won there, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm not going to back him because I just don't, I don't – I need to see more, right? Now, I might back him at the U.S. Open because maybe he's prepped now to kind of – Play a, play a golf course like that. Well, well, to your point about the weather being colder, so that's ha- that always has issues uh, with guys who have bad backs. And then, like you said, if he's not accurate in the fairway and he's got to be chopping out of this some of this rough, that's going to make that torque even worse when he's trying to muscle right. out of there, man. Yeah, yeah. He I said, did not want to see – oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I said – he said it's the key is to keep his core warm. And I said, 
That's my problem. I need to keep my core warm. That's my problem. I just, I don't want to see another video of Tiger taking that swing and then, the, you know, he does yeah. the, oh, the yeah. bat, you know, how long you had yeah. a week back? Oh, about a week back. I just, yeah. uh, he just, he's always doing something. It's a grimace or, and you can see him pulling out of the, you know, either the link style rough, you know, it just, uh, you know, grabs his glove yeah. and he's down for the count. That's right. So yeah. I think I, I, I'd rather go for a young long hitter rather than the old long hitter. But as you said, these guys have plenty um, of thanks to give to Tiger but it's kind of mm. like watching Jordan with the Wizards versus Jordan with the Bulls. I, that's kind of my my take on that. Yeah, it looks like the key to the golf course is going to be like how these guys manage because there there are short holes here, right? And and mm. that's where they're going to have to manage it. Like you know, sevens drivable, sixteens drivable. It's just how do they manage because those are holes and the par threes where and the and and the par fives where they're going to have to. That's where they're going to have to score. Uh, unless they get a downhill part, like I think 15 is kind of downhill and to the left that you can get the ball rolling a little bit there. But, you know, there is going to be a stretch there. Like we heard like 11 through 14, 15 is going to be gnarly. And that's where they're going to have to really kind of play that, that part of the golf course even par and then work at the other, uh, other ones uh, to, to get their scoring down. Hey, talk to me a little bit about my guy from Cal. I've all of a sudden Colin, jumped on this bandwagon. As Colin you should. Markawa. Yeah, the kid's Love a stud. This guy. Yeah, the kid's a stud. And uh, I, you know, look, I, I, I think it would be here's here's the deal how why I like him, right? He's not gonna have a lot of local things to do. Like he's you know, he would have the whole Cal Berkeley College out there watching him, right? Time, that ain't gonna happen, right? So there's no gonna be like probably no press stuff that he really needs to do. There's not probably no like dinners True. he has to go to, you know, he's not gonna be do- so this is kind of a positive for him. But the kid is an absolute grinder, and he'll take anybody on. I mean, JT gives it a big fist, fish, uh, fist pump and a come on at the memorial. Yeah, and then he pounds it right on top of him, and it's cup speed. It ain't like, you know, hand. so I just – I love the kid. The kid's a gamer, um, and he's uh, – I don't know. He's probably sleeping on, you know, his own bed or something up there, but uh, I, I like him. Um, I just – it's it's a it's a major form. I don't know if you know. He, I don't know if he's played how many majors he's actually played in. So I, this I is think you brought one. up the you brought up the relevant points though. No gallery's great. Not having to leave a bunch of tickets or hang out with your frat buddies or anybody else at Berkeley. But even more importantly, you you got to think he's played the course quite oh, a no few doubt. times, right? Yeah. Like up and mm-hmm. down in his sleep. Mm-hmm. It's probably a practice course. I mean, Blummer already talked about. Um, playing uh, this TPC Harding, and I played the Olympic Club up there. I mean, those are local clubs up there. So if you went to college in the Bay Area, he's oh, definitely yeah. sniffed around uh, Harding Park before. So I think I think that also, you know, just to add to what you said, that certainly can add to the uh, to the um, release of pressure. No gallery. He's local. Yeah. He's played it in his sleep. He can play it, and uh, and I, I think you know, not just because he's a Cal Bear, but you know, the fact that he uh, the fact that he's been up there, I think, is a is a great. Um, I don't know, probably momentum builder for him. I, I, t- I tell you what's awesome about you, you just talked about the area, uh, Blummer. I don't know what else you've, you, you've been able to play, but there's, if you had all the money in the world, right, and, and everybody loved you, and, and you could have a place up in that area, there are five golf courses within a five-mile radius of each other that are all five-star. I mean, you got the Olympic Club right down the street from Harding Park. Uh, you have the, the San Francisco Golf Club, which is just unbelievable. 
And you have uh, another great one called the Cal Club, which is just down the street also. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it, it's amazing how many five stars are right around there within, I mean, Cal Club's the farthest one away, but within a half a mile of each other, they're all right there. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, um, you know, to, to be a member at two or three of those, which is, and well, Harding Park's just public. <laughs> By the way, Blummer, you got some good pull. You just don't go up to a public golf course and get like eight o'clock in the morning. So there's got to be some serious pull there with the city. Yeah, no, you know, we, we've gotten in good. And it's one of those things we have the we have our own little version of the black book when we travel around, like we can go play Cog Hill in Chicago. Right, yeah. And, you know, some of these other places. Uh, but we, <laughs> our eyes lit up when we actually made this contact. And he was like, anything you need, anytime you want, we just went, oh, like we just found that unicorn, you know, out in the universe. And we got to go see it every once in a while. But uh, they've taken really good care of us. But I want to ask both of you a question because you've been on You've been inside the ropes, uh, John, and then you having pitched Tuttle, you know, the Astros have had, I think now, man, with they had one more guy, Castellanos pitched for him last night. And I want to say it's been 10, 10 rookies pitch for him, make their ma major league debut. And they had one guy, one position player make his major league debut. But the combination of watching the watching baseball make their debuts with no fans and then watching pro golf play with no fans. John, do you first, what, do you think that helps some of these guys? Does it still feel like a major if there's no fans out there putting the pressure on these guys? No, it would be completely different. And the reason why is it almost probably feels more like a college golf tournament than it does an actual, or a high-end college golf tournament than it does an actual tour wow. event. But again, what happened is these kids that are rookies that are really good players, they've played in tour events as in pre-qualifying or getting exemptions or whatever. So they've all experienced it. It's just like, I think you guys have all noticed in sports today that the, it, the younger kids have no fear, right? They just go, right? And, and by playing in U.S. amateurs and playing on Walker Cup teams, they've played around crowds, right? Huh. Now a major is a different deal, right? So go, going to you know, Augusta or going to a U.S. Open or whatever, it, it's, it's, you know, it's times five, you know, type of deal. But I have a feeling that the transformation has been much easier for these younger kids um, because of they're not hearing a lot of the, ooh, ah, you know, when they're missing touch. Shot. And it's yeah. getting in their noggin, right, type of deal. So, um, yeah, I would probably say it's been a little bit easier. I would assume, you know, I'm not going to speak on behalf of baseball, but I would assume it's been easier for these kids baseball-wise because you don't have anybody screaming at you, right? Well, especially in the Astros case, right? Because the Astros were going to get a lot of heat from uh, <laughs> Dodger fans and around the league throughout the uh, season. I think you brought up a really good point. We always talk about some of the um, negativity around starting sports earlier. You brought up the fact these kids are fearless. For sure, in golf, I've seen that. But in baseball, I mean, the reason we brought up the velo, these guys are throwing 95, 98, 99, 100, is because they felt like, hey, I was six foot four at age 14. Um, and I started throwing then I started developing my pitching mechanics, you know, maybe I've had surgery, maybe I had some tweaks earlier, which is what we continue to talk about, like kids are having Tommy John earlier. But dude, these guys at 22, 23, they played in so many perfect game tournaments and so many, um, you know, they've been coached so many hours, they've, you know, they've practiced, they've done all these things that now they throw 95 to 98. And it's kind of what they expected to do at 22. So I would agree that there's a lot less um, fear when they kind of arrive in the big leagues. And I do think the momentum 
Blummer and I've talked about this on a few podcasts, but there are some people that really like the bright lights. I, I mentioned this to my wife. My wife used to swim in junior college and swam a little bit. And I said, you know, that feeling you get, you know, when you're standing on the starting blocks, like ready for the swimming race to start. She goes, yeah, I hated that feeling. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, I said, well, that's the feeling that you get when you're standing on the mound. And I like that feeling. Like it took me years to like it, but eventually you like that feeling. It's like standing over the ball, you know, when you're going to tee off or whatever, you have to learn to make those butterflies find formation. I think some of these young guys are much better at getting those butterflies organized and getting them to be motivating for them as opposed to a detriment. But there are still definitely some guys I think that are thriving in this environment that will not thrive if we ever get back out of this. You know, we might see some guys on the golf tour that have some success and then the galleries come back out and it's like, uh, uh-uh, and they just kind of flutter away. And I'm thinking with the debuts that Blummer mentioned, you'll see the same thing. Like some of these guys are going to be like, Hey, I feel great. It feels like club baseball, you know, come out, yeah. Johnny, like, go get, you know, give, yeah. give us your best effort. And then when the crowd gets in and 50,000 people are back in throwing peanuts at you and telling you, you suck. Um, some guys can embrace that and some guys can't. So overall Blummer to your question, I think it's definitely changed the dynamic of professional sports and the landscape. And I think we're probably seeing like an uptick in some guys that may not be around when we get back to normalcy. No, I think that's a great point because we've actually talked to a couple of Astro catchers and they said that they, they think it is benefiting some of these younger guys because they don't have that booing. They don't have that, you know, oh, the pitch just misses outside and they don't have the, you know, that energy in a visiting ballpark when the bases are loaded. They're just coming in and they're going, oh, there's a couple guys on base. I'm going to go throw a couple pitches. So it's no big deal. But I think it's going to be a crazy transition when they actually have the opportunity when fans start coming into these venues and all of a sudden you start to get more and more of that noise and more of that intensity and that, you know, that uh, buildup and energy in the ballpark. It's going to be real interesting to see how many of those guys that were good with no fans, if it actually translates and they are good with fans in there, it's going to be a huge transition. But I think it's a nut cutting time right now, Johnny. I want to know. I want to know. You're laying down. How much money is a lot of money to you right now? Maybe what a thousand bucks. Let's go a thousand dollars. You got to pick four golfers who are going to compete and possibly win this PGA championship at the TPC at Harding park. Who are we going with, man? All right. Um, not that I've uh, put a wager down. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got to spice it up. It's, it's Monopoly money here on Bleacher Blums. It's I'm always Monopoly money. Uh, Don't bet on go, it, folks. I'm going to go with the mad scientist. I'm going to go with Bryson DeChambeau. How about this? Give me a little, just a little hint of why you chose this. these guys. Hits the ball right to left, okay, okay. first of all. Hits it far, right? Uh, he's 13th in, um, in greens and regulation. He's 6th in putting. And he's eighth in scrambling. So I just like all of that combined, right? Beautiful. He's going to break this golf course down into 18 different ways to play it, right? <laughs> um, he's won before already. Um, so, I, 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 so that's that. Uh, Rory McIlroy hits the ball right to left. Hits it far. Has won there before. Um, comes from Ireland. He's playing these elements. You know, heavy, heavy airs and, and oceans and um, ocean breezes and, and uh, deweys and, you know, marine layers. Um, hey, is he okay upstairs? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. He looks he a just, little shaky sometimes. He, it looks like he gets to a point and all of a sudden it just tanks, man. Well, he's um, – I would just say he's a momentum guy. So, it's going to be huge for him to um, – to, to stay on, on, on point, you know what I mean? And state mm-hmm. a plan. And um, so that's that. 
And, and that's going to be my tier one guy. So what I'll do is I'll give okay. you two, two tier one guys and a couple guys below. Because I'm going to throw out Kepka. I'm going to throw out Rom. I'm going to throw out Thomas. They're left or right guys off the tee. Okay. You really so, don't like that, huh? I, yeah, I think it's I, because where, where do you score, right? You finish, you have to finish your golf courses, right? Yep. Well, you're going to have to finish the golf course coming down the stretch. And there's and some only of the one holes hole. you can score on at TPC are those dog leg lefts. Right. There's only one that's left or right, and that's the drivable 16th. And everybody's right? going to be tagging that one. Right. So, um, so they're my tier two guys. I'm going to actually go with two scrappy guys, right? Um, As I, the scrapper should. Right. I have a, I, I kind of, I kind of, to be honest with you, I want Tony Finau to win, to be honest Ooh. with you. I just, he's on my list. You know, I had two guys. He, he's, he's got, he's got like uh, a game. bunch of seconds. I, I, he just needs a finish. Um, he played great up till last week and then he, and then he came in like 65th um, because that was more of a narrow golf course uh, driving wise. But do you but, feel it was also the, the Memorial tournament before that kind of messed with him where he was in that lead and then just fell apart in, in, in Minnesota the in, at the in the Minnesota. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Three yeah, M. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the two different golf courses, right? So he was being able to bomb it there. And then, and then um, last week there was a lot of narrowness to the golf course a little bit. Yep. He had to drive that. That's why Brendan Todd did really well. He's it's high in driving accuracy. Yeah. So, um, but I would like to – I'm not going to pick him, but I, I would like – you know, that would be a guy that I'd like to, to win, right, just, just for him, himself. But I'm going to take two scrappy guys. I'm going to take uh, Xander Shoffle, uh, mm -hmm. Southern California kid, San Diego State. Um, I like uh, him and this kid, Matthew Fitzpatrick. And, and the reason why is um, – the they, they, they play great on golf. On, yeah, <laughs> he's not he's, even he's, on my list. He's, an, English, he's an Englishman. He's an Englishman, but – he plays tough. These guys play tough on hard golf courses. They're, they're grinders, right? They, they don't let the distance thing get to them, right? They know how to manage their golf ball. Fitzpatrick this year, uh, there was two, two golf. Uh, I think I put it in my notes. There's two, two rounds of golf, uh, Bay Hill and the last round of the Memorial that the golf course played the hardest of all the golf tournaments this entire year. Sunday at Bay Hill, Sunday the Memorial. Played really, really extremely Matthew Fitzpatrick was the only guy to shoot 70 or below on that day. So he's a grinder. And, and, and by the way, he shot 68 um, last week with a double to come in T2 or T3. So he's a grinder. He's got a great caddy on his bag, Billy. Billy caddy for Seve back in the day. Um, he's caddy for legends um, his whole entire career. But um, and Bones took the bag for a couple weeks um, when Billy was having to come over and quarantine, and Bones Bones got him to sixth place or something like that. Uh, I think in either Minnesota or somewhere else. So, so I like um, Fitzpatrick and um, Shoffley as my. So there's my four guys. Now I also threw this kid Abraham Answer from Mexico, grinder, just like Fitzpatrick like and him. Alexander, yeah. um, and then Tommy Fleetwood, touchdown Tommy Jesus, right? He. He when he's driving the golf ball, he he's looks a like the dude who waits at public courses to latch on with yeah. a threesome. He, he does. Hey, you, you guys got you guys need a fourth. You need a fourth, bro. You need a fourth, and he's just kind of scraggly, and then just goes. Just he's got his it. golf bag on his right, and he's got his skateboard in his left yeah, hand. Dude, I love Gets that. Up and, you know, so. I love that you admire the scrappers. That's my thing. I like yeah. Finau. I thought Dustin Johnson um, had played. You gave me some stats on him. I mean, a long hitter. I don't know if he's right to left or left to right. Maybe you toss him out as well. But, you know, if he can putt, 
then that's going to change, you know, how he performs. But I, you know, I, I don't stick with the statistics as much as I think, you know, gut feelings, but I think, uh, to your point, I like the scrappers. I mean, you got to take people in this weather coming from hot weather and narrow course and all that. You got to take the guys like the Lynx type guys, right? They, they don't care about high rough. They don't care if the wind's in their face. They don't care if they get a little rain in the morning, man. They just grind it out. They keep managing every shot and they keep focused on what the task is at hand. And I think um, based on the information you've given us about the way the course is going to play in uh, August versus May, I think, you know, that we're definitely going to see a grinder, a scrapper. And if you can grind it out and scrap and still hit the ball 350, like McElroy or DeChambeau, then, you know, m more power to you. Right. Exactly. You have a pick Blummer or are you going to just I, I leave see, I want to see DeChambeau overpower this thing because, you know, you made reference to the steroid era when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were out there. Everybody was just astonished. I didn't, I don't know if he's good or bad for golf, but I love the fact that he's just trying to hit the ball as hard as he possibly can every time he's out there. And it's kind of entertaining that he's actually put the wedged game together, like John said, with the greens and regulation. That's one of the things, first things I looked at because I remember when Dustin Johnson burst onto the scene, you're going, damn, this guy's long. And then I watch him play his wedges and I'm going, holy crap. You know, it's, it's not exactly accurate. And he wasn't a very good putter, but I think that DeChambeau has all those things to be able to score if he is accurate. Now, if he gets a little squirrely, it could change things completely. But I'm a big DeChambeau fan, big Tony Finau fan. I'm obviously picking Colin Meyer Cower because I love the guy who went to Cal and the way he plays. Mm. But uh, I was actually – I had Tommy Fleetwood on, on one of my lists before Adams brought it up because I think you do have to take one of these, you know, Irish or Englishmen or whatever Scottish guys because they've been playing and sitting maybe not as – it's going to be harsh elements, but it's not going to be as drastic as Ireland with, you know, 20 to 30 mile an hour winds and much colder. It's going to be chilly, but it's going to be some thick air and it's how they manage getting through that because, you know, the disappointment of not hitting the ball, what you normally do, you're going to have to overwhelm your mind a little bit and hit some good shots, but it's going to be a blast, man. I cannot wait to watch this thing. Yeah. Well, see, it's, it's, it, oh, it's go ahead. Sorry, 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 Tuttle. But you know what's great about it with you, with your situation, Blummer, is is you've played there, so that's why oh, that's I love why it. Yeah. Be sto yeah, because you know I know that hole. I, oh yeah, I I and then they'll there. drive it there, and you're like, oh my gosh, look where this guy just hit this tee shot. I like, <laughs> and I'm like, probably hitting a tee box two in front of him. That's, that's where I was when I pitched out from under the trees. You know, yes. you know, but I, I was um, in the same spot, but thirty feet to the right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, so that, well, you hope. Let's let's wrap it up. Um, we've okay. been on a while. That's good stuff, Blummer. Thanks for your picks. So we want to finish up. We had a little um, dispute on Twitter this week. For once, Blummer and I are always on the same page about the extra inning. Uh, trouble in the marriage, rule. man. Yeah, trouble in the marriage. Uh, and but I want to open it up to John. John's here too. Am so I, am I the mediator? Am I the as mediator? A, no, just <laughs> just as a gallery. true just as a true fan. I mean, we don't yeah. have to implement this for the rest of the history of baseball. But in a sixty-game season. Um, you know, we know some ERAs are getting affected by starting with the runner on second. We can get into the whether you should bund them over or not. We've already had uh, Blummer uh, stem that or argue about that. But let's uh, let's hear your take, Blummer, on why extra inning rule is not up to snuff or up to par. Um, I can give you my take on why I think I'm enjoying it. And maybe John has an opinion as well. And a little disclaimer on John, too. He's a SoCal guy, obviously, San Clemente boy, where we were living together. And he's a huge Angels fan. Yeah. So we have yeah. to point that out. Just well, I, well I, you didn't need to point it out. Man. Yeah. No, I, mean, I did yeah. it on purpose because the Astros yeah. took two out of three, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a lucky two out of three, too. I ain't going to lie to you. We got to get it. Dude, we saw bit. everybody on the Angels roster pitch in that series, man. That yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. 
All right. I think you're seeing everybody's roster every week. <laughs> we are, man. You've yeah. seen 10 rookies on the Astros side that I've never even <laughs> yeah. heard of. I need to make a comeback. There's yeah. plenty of room. Johnny Allstaff. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Allstaff. There we go. Yeah. Johnny Holstaff coming out of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. Okay, so the extra inning rule, I don't like that you're giving a guy, giving a guy two bases for free. It drives me nuts. Uh, and actually, one of our, in, uh, our pre- and post-game host, uh, Kevin Eschefelder, came up with the, I think is a great idea. And it's play extra innings till the 11th. In the 11th inning, put the guy at second base because you're trying to cut down on time. But we saw a game go 12 innings because one team would score run, run. The other team scored another run. And it, was, it got out of hand. But the part that really sold it for me was when Rios for the Dodgers hit a leadoff two-run home run. And I just went, this is so unethical, man. Giving a guy free two bases and then allowing a leadoff home run to decide a game. It's frustrating to me where I don't feel – you may have earned it in the sense that you hit the home run, but if Rios hits the home run, they're up by one with nobody out and they're still hitting. So why not let that thing play out? And the fact that all of a sudden it's peeled off this scab of bunting is blowing my mind. Now, let me preface this by saying – that if it is a tie ball game and I am the home team in extra innings and one team and one run gives me the win, yes, I may bunt if it's anybody but George Springer, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, <laughs> Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, Carlos Correa. I mean, there, there's only two guys in that Astros lineup that I would actually have bunt. And one of them didn't at a home game. That kind of frustrated me a little bit. But that's, those are the only guys I'm going to have bunt because I'm going to let everybody else swing away and try and drive that run in. Now, that being said, with a runner at third base with one out, and that's assuming you bunted him over, you gave up, you gave an out, you gave up an easy out to get that guy to third base. The percentage that it jumps is 6.7%. So you're gaining an, av an advantage of 6.7% by putting that guy on third base with one out. Great. But if you're managing on the other side, like we saw Joe Madden do the other day, and I think it really messed up uh, some of the, what Dusty Baker was going to try and do, is let's say you get that runner to the third with one out, guess what I'm going to do? Walk the next two guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a force play at every base. That doesn't really give the advantage to the opposing – to the offensive team. It makes it almost a little bit tougher because if you hit a ground ball, double play out of the inning. If you hit a sack fly, you're in great shape, but you only score that one run. So I like playing for the, for the big inning on the visiting side. But if it's a tie ball game, bottom of the uh, inning, I can get my one run. I may bunt. Or how about this? Trust that a professional hitter can hit behind the runner. They can do that. And there's a, probably a higher percentage of those guys moving over with a swing than a bunt. And that's just me. Analytics have ruined the bunt, and I'm all in on the no bunt society. Well, so that steers the question away a little bit from whether you like the extra innings or I not. I don't like it. I know don't you don't. Like it. I know you don't like the bunting aspect. I don't even. I'm not an advocate for bunting either. But my I'm thought a, I'm is, I'm not an advocate for a free double. Oh, okay, but why? I don't because it, won't because it then the up? pitcher takes a loss too. You're a pitcher. If you take the loss, you, you may not get the earned run, but you're taking the loss. I mean, so my what whole that career besides you going to the playoffs. Yeah. I, well, it's not your fault. You get them out and then you win the game and then you get a W right for one inning of work. You got a W. So I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not anti that because of the fact that we use the college football rules. As an example, you as a broadcaster, you know, your wife's birthday, you want to get home early and then the innings are tacking on and tacking story. on, but, 
But, you know, they get the ball in the 25-yard line. You get four plays or a couple plays to get it in there. You score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. You score a touchdown, they score a touchdown. That's something that we've opened the door to with this rule. But I kind of think it makes it exciting right off the bat as a fan. I think the chance that they score or the chance that they um, uh, can move the runner over and, you know, create some, I guess, high leverage innings that where – you know, I mean, there may not be any high leverage innings for three innings. Now you're in the 15th inning and you haven't seen one base runner and you're just dragging on. And then the it turns into a season. war of attrition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I just think it creates a little more excitement and a little more, uh, we talked about the Sosa McGuire thing. It creates a little more um, uh, kind of need to pay attention moments in the game of baseball, which we don't have a lot of. John, anything in between? You don't have to decide. I just more, I, but... no, no. I just like to know the statistics. Hey, the, the, if Blumber, you ever come Blumber. on our podcast again, a lot depends on what you say right now. <laughs> <laughs> just I just want, I, I just we're co-hosts. We are co-hosts. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you. Say. I just want to know for the record the last time Blummer actually had to bunt. Mm. It, I might have been wearing a Montreal uniform. <laughs> I'm serious. And I think, and I think I, you're I moving over about, Guerrero or you moving yeah, it was because yeah. me Vladdy was hitting behind me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, dude, just get out of the way and let Vladdy hit, man. Yeah, please. Oh boy. <laughs> That's a good line. Hey, I had to bunt granted, not the big leagues, right. but in triple yeah. I had to bunt every time I got a bat in my hand. If I was starting the games like total, get up there, bunt. Like I love pitchers. They put on the batting gloves and they tar up their bat and then they get up there and they square around. It's like, dude, Give me, where's my bat? Can I use your bat? Sure. Get up there, square around, bunt, and then get out of there. Like, that's all we had to do. Um, Jeff, I actually, I actually don't mind your idea of going 11 innings. Uh, I, that kind of mm-hmm. sounds intriguing. Um, but, again, it kind of goes back down to what, what, what I discussed, you know, uh, see how we're going to be able to – so now you're going to load the bases, and now all of a sudden there's a lot of energy in the stand where I got bases loaded with one out. I mean, it just brings a lot more to an extra inning other than, oh, here we are going into the bottom of the 19th, you know, because it's just like you, you can't get anybody on base, right, and move a runner. So um, I, I, I like it because why? It's something new, you know, to be honest with you. It's oh, something man. new, and uh, it, it's, it turns into strategic, uh, strategic baseball, right, strategic. moving runners. Because um, I like kids like David Fletcher who take the ball the other way, right? And, oh, he did um, such a good job the other day, by the way. And he actually scrappy. Talk about scrappy. He Jeez. he actually proved my point of how to hit behind a runner because mm-hmm. he actually got a base hit. He hit it too yeah. hard. The guy couldn't score, but he hit behind the guy and actually got it through the hole. And oh, it, it was beautiful. The yeah. Mariner center fielder did that too. We brought him yeah. up on the last podcast. Smith, Lewis, Lewis, no, Lewis, no, Kyle Lewis. Lewis. You're right, dude. That He's guy. A stud. That guy's a stud. He yeah. can hit, but the, both those guys, Fletcher and Lewis, I mean, they're showing that they know what they're doing. They can hit. And to your point, Blummer, away from the uh, extra innings philosophy, more with the bunting philosophy, if you're a good young hitter and you can drive the ball the other way, that'll move the guy to third and you have much more of a chance of driving that ball through the hole over there and mm-hmm. maybe scoring him or, you know, creating a bigger inning, which, you know, you might need. First That's and third more... with nobody out is a Okay, is a okay. Jeff, how, how about this rule? If we're going to throw rules out there, right, if you, you know – is is in extra 80s you can't move a guy in a short right field and you can't move guys left of second oh. base or right of second Ooh. base like play you know you up. got you got to play it straight up right and and let's let the games begin right so that's the other thing i mean i'm not a big fan of that like why yeah. why is manny machado playing in right right field you know and and mm-hmm. third base is wide open and the shorts 
Like, I don't like that, right? Maybe because I'm old school and I never saw that, right? We never mm -hmm. saw the analytics of baseball when I was, when I was playing. But, um, you know, hey, that's when, another thing is like in extra innings, you can't move guys past second base. Like, how about that? You know? When so. you guys fix the golf ball in golf and they have some regulations <laughs> around that, then we'll fix, we'll fix all the shifting and something like that. So right. we'll have some sort of uniformity for all the sports across the field. Right. Dude, I said, exactly. I said this the other day on uh, one of our broadcasts and you know how every year, you know, on, on social media, major league baseball has a hashtag, you know, like for the Astros, it's for the age or in the past it's, you know, earn it or whatever it is. You know, I, I was talking to TK and we were talking about these rules and it was when they expanded the playoffs. And I, <laughs> I kind of said, 2020 has kind of lended itself to the hashtag. Hey man, whatever. You know, yeah. we're, kinda, <laughs> you know we, so we're just trying to like patchwork uh, uh, this season together. Just number one, to make it entertaining. Number two, let's just see if we can try and get through this mess and try and have a little bit of fun. But it is that real Petri dish where you just kind of sprinkle in some stuff and go, Hey, that, that I wasn't too appalled by that. That might work, you know? And I wonder how many of these things are actually going to stick because I think the universal DH is going to be around for a while. Mm -hmm. this extra inning thing, they might manipulate that a little bit to try and cut down on length of games because of uh, using all the pitching and all the injuries that are going on right now. So it's going to be real interesting uh, the way it's going. But for 2020, I'm with you guys in the sense of, hey, let's just see what happens and go with it and, and we'll try and make the best of it. I, I know that this is a, a, another thing for you guys to talk about down the road, but um the sense of Manfred, I did I, like with all what's going on right now with the COVID situations with the Cardinals and with the, do you have this sense of like, he just wants to have the, that the main guys get to the, to the playoffs. I don't care if you miss 20 games and 10 games. I mean, I don't care about this. As long as I have the Dodgers, the Yankees, Boston, Red Sox, the Astros, you know, like these, I know this is, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that he really doesn't care what's going on with these players in these small areas. And that he's just really focused on Dodgers keep winning. Astros keep winning. Like I just want to get to the 16 that all have, you know, uh, a, a good, you know, uh, backing, I, you know, and big city. John just pulled the curtain back. <laughs> Sorry about on the that. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I'm an Astro employee. I'm going to back out of this conversation okay. real delicately right. because I think okay. you're on something. Okay. No, it is not bad. I think it's okay. great that you're doing this on the podcast because it is one of those taboo thoughts and it goes into something on a, on a greater scale that a lot of people won't talk about. They're going to say, oh, they're handling it bad, while Manfred might be sitting back going, if the Marlins don't make it, meh. Yeah. If the Cardinals yeah, don't you, make it, meh. Yeah. And when you, tie that to, uh, when you tie that to what we saw with basketball, where, like, remember the play-in, right, the last seven games, the Grizzlies are on the bubble Rings. and someone else. And they're like, all right, let's make <laughs> it competitive, but we already really know who's going to be in. Like, if this team, you know, squeaks in, they're fine. And honestly, you two, John – You two nailed it. Hey, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so, I mean, what you're saying, I don't think Manfred, I really don't think he sits in his office and says, okay, um, you know, this is how we're going to do it. But, you so know, when you're, the C when you're the CEO of a company, you have advisors and you're sitting in a room and they're like, hey, this is the revenue. This is what the revenue will bring in if these teams are in the playoffs. This is how that works. So I don't think he has, you know, this like underlying, we're going to screw them and screw them and make sure all these teams get in. But I guarantee you, he probably has 12 out of the 16 playoff teams already like penciled in on his board there as we're 10 games in. 
And, you know, it's only 50 games to go. Come on, the rest of those guys get in there. And, and, and there's certainly some truth to what you said. I, I mean, oh, totally. Certainly. You know who I used to work for, right? So uh, I'll just keep it that. But yeah, yeah, we, we, root, we rooted, right, big time. Because let's just go back to the Chicago, right? Yeah. Um, when Chicago beat the Indians, right? Yeah. The Indians, if the Indians won, we would have sold 250,000 world championship yeah. units. Yeah. Units, right? Yeah. The Cubs won and we sold over 5 million. I got a yeah. bonus that year, okay, yeah. because of that. So yeah. – when wow. baseball is run, we'd go, go Dodgers, go Yankees, go Cubs. Right. Like, you know, and sorry, yeah. Tampa Bay. Sorry, the Indians. Like, because it is what it is, right? So, yep. I mean. Absolutely. So, yeah. that's what so, I'm saying. So, I, I think we're saying the same point, right? There's not yeah. some huge conspiracy theory, but that, that, that almighty dollar bill is sitting there on, mm. on his shoulder. <laughs> like, you know, good, you know, we don't care who wins. Yes, we do. We want them to win, right? You got the angel yeah. devil thing going. Right, so. yeah. Without and I know Blummer has to be. It's be, called you know. the public shoulder, the private shoulder. Dude, you guys could have a whole podcast on this, but I know Blummer, you got to keep it uh, politically correct. So I understand that. So yeah, I've got to be a little bit careful. But dude, Johnny, I can't thank you enough for coming on this yeah. podcast. It was actually a good time. We will have you again. Yeah. Uh, talking more PGA, talking more major championships, and maybe uh, some more more dirt on the MLB. Man, that was pretty good you, stuff, dude. You kind of you know you know you know where to find me, and uh, uh, I'll prep for the wing, I'll prep for Wingfoot, the U.S. Open next time. So I like it. Appreciate you, brother. Be good, man. Right. Good talking to you, man. You got it. Cheers, boys. Awesome. <laughs> that, ladies right. and gentlemen, was John Adams, good friend of the podcast, and also a highly knowledgeable uh, golfer in his own right and looper. Uh, he caddied for a while on uh, PGA and the LPGA. So it was fun to talk to him. He's always entertaining. And actually surprised me with some of the Major League Baseball talk. But uh, Tuttle, I will let you finish this thing off and uh, take us out of this show. It was a lot of fun talking, man. Good job yeah. on, uh, on the pod. Thank you, man. And I always have a great time with you. Uh, the broadcasts have been great. UTK and Julia are doing uh, outstanding in the studio. I've, um, I've had the first few series blacked out, as we talked about, because you played the Dodgers and the Angels, and I'm that's in SoCal. A, so. That's another issue I have. Yeah. Take the blackout restrictions off, for God's sake. Yeah. Show everybody baseball. Uh. At least just for, again, this year. These are the little rules yes. that we just talked about. But uh, oh. always a pleasure to be with you. Again, our shout-out to first responders, um, healthcare workers and the military, the front lines, none of that stuff takes a backseat as they're all essential workers. Some of our jobs are less essential than others, but we know those are essential jobs and we want to make sure that we uh, tip the cap and appreciate everything that you guys are doing on the front lines. Want to again, thank the listeners to the Bleacher Blums podcast. Uh, this will be a little more golf heavy. We'll get back to some more baseball next week. And, uh, and that's it, Blummer, man. The broadcast has been great. I'm glad baseball is rolling along and this 60 game season, I feel like is feeling a lot shorter all of a sudden now that we're already like 10 games in, like, boom. No, it's kind of crazy to think, you know, I mean, if you're 15 games in, you're a quarter of the season, a quarter of the way into the season. So it is kind of bizarre. I appreciate you talking about the broadcast. You know, maybe that's something we can touch on a little bit later and add some pictures to it because calling the game in studio is interesting to say the least. Uh, you know, there's some logistical things that we, have, we need to overcome, but uh, fortunately, I've got some good people around me that are supporting the broadcast and making it worthwhile. But we're having a blast doing it. I'm with you in the sense that it's great to have baseball back. Uh, I hate seeing all the injuries, uh, but I, and I hate seeing all these guys contracting COVID. But hopefully, it's uh, it's raising a little more awareness about how contagious this thing is and how threatening it can be to a group of people. And I just hope baseball finds a way to and manages to get through these 60 games because I think all of us enjoy playoff type baseball, basketball, football, whatever it is. But uh, 
you know, there's going to be concern around the NFL and the NCAA football season on how they're going to handle that after watching what baseball's done. But great job on the pod. Great job closing it out by talking to everybody in the front lines and appreciating everything they do. We always want you to get after it, but most of all, you got to believe it. <laughs>